Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. Oh, yeah. How are you on this beautiful, beautiful day? Here's a newsflash, my friends. It is eclipse season. Woo! <laughs> um, I don't know if that's like a celebration, like time for glitter confetti, or if it's celebration like, yay, we can let go of our old selves, the versions of us that no longer fit um, so that we can make room for the true authentic version of ourselves that we are now, um, which is great, yes, to celebrate, but often the process of doing that is uncomfortable. Yeah. So welcome to Eclipse Season. I'll talk a little bit more about it, but first I want to open our episode with a card and I have drawn a card from the Secret Language of Light Oracle deck um, by Denise Jarvie and today's card is Wellness and uh, the, the artwork of this deck is gorgeous. I mean, it is the Secret Language of Light in art form. There's so many soft, beautiful colors combined with light. Um, in this card, we have an image of a person sitting in easy pose with um, their hands in prayer above their head, but between their hands holds a, what I interpret, a clear crystal sword, which looks really cool. And there's light coming out of the sword and there is a heart shape that is above the seated person that is created in light. And then around the person is a circle with some sacred geometry within it with light emitting from it out like a sun, as if the person seated was looking at the sun and it's just radiating out. Oh, it's beautiful. Love this deck. Highly recommend it for y'all if you're looking for a new Oracle deck. Um, so this is wellness and it is calling you to tune into your body. So here is what the guidebook says. You are entering a time when your body will become stronger. If you have been or are sick, you are on your way to feeling better. Begin to focus on a sense of well-being. If you are healthy, you will be inspired to strengthen your body through yoga or another form of exercise, which is so interesting because I'm going to share, I'm going to share why in a second. Uh, your body is enlightened and knows how to heal itself. Everything, be it pain, butterflies, excitement, or love is a message from one part of the self to another. Tune into your body through meditation and ask what you can do to improve your well-being. Behind the human in the image is the flower of life. Aha, see, I told you there was sacred imagery in there. Um, a symbol that represents the process of creation. It is made up of overlapping circles that are, represent, 
that are a repeating expression of the first circle. It is a geometric metaphor reminding us the nature of life is continued expansion. Your body makes you, oh, you're sorry, your body takes you everywhere you go. So acknowledge, thank, and love it. Show gratitude to your body because your body is the thing that allows you to have the human experiences that you came here to have. Okay. So, um, the reason I was, I was like, Ooh, how's this for amazing timing is that at the time of this recording, I will be teaching the first class of the new version of my class. So I teach yoga, um, at a, at a local studio. And, um, for those who are local, it is Onyx Yoga Studio. And, um, I've been teaching flow yoga there for some time. And last week, it just felt wrong. <laughs> it felt unaligned or misaligned. It didn't feel aligned. It was, it was so interesting to observe because my students had checked out mentally. They were just going through the motions of sun salutation. And you're like, up, down, up, down, in, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And I was like, hmm, noticing this and wondering how I could change things a bit to create an invitation for more presence in the now moment. So I did a few unexpected things and, you know, tried to talk a little bit in between my cues um, for movement, but I just felt like this is getting stale. And the whole point of yoga is to use the body to feel the body, to embody the teachings of yoga, to embody the awareness that I talked about last week, um, and to feel it and to be present in the moment. But if you're doing that yoga on autopilot, then that kind of defeats the purpose of yoga. <laughs> it's like, uh, no. So I was like, okay, this is all wrong. Like even teaching it, I felt wrong. Like I just felt like, oh, this is not like, I just felt uncom really uncomfortable in, in a bad way, not uncomfortable in a growth way, uncomfortable in a, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing kind of way, like putting on the wrong size shoe. Like I am a size eight shoe and I was putting on a size six and a half shoe. And I was like, mm, yeah, no, this doesn't fit anymore. This doesn't fit anymore. So I, um, reached out to the studio owner who's also a friend of mine. I mean, we've become friends over the years. She's always been <laughs> the studio owner and she was my teacher. She still is my teacher, but we have, um, we have developed a, a friendship over time. And, um, I reached out to her and, and the studio manager and I was like, y'all, I, we just need to do something different. I need to do something different. And they, they were like, okay, they just gave me the green light. They're like, do your thing. And I was like, yay. So, Today, at the time of this recording, I am leading a class called Wild Yoga Playground. I am so freaking excited about it because it is going to um, invite people to play, to really engage in embodying fun, <laughs> for one, to embody what it's like to be free to channel the inner child, to make connections with your inner child, to remember what it's like to be playful. Because I feel like a lot of us just sit in yoga classes and just go through the motions and do the thing. A lot of us sit in our job or whatever we're doing, 
grocery shopping, driving a car, in this autopilot, in this asleep mode. And then when it's time to wake up, it's like, oh, okay, I'll meditate and then I'm awake. You know, so my my whole thing is, this is what I'm observing, okay? So my whole thing is like, okay, it's great. I can talk about self-awareness. I can talk about meditation. I can talk about all the practices we need to create awareness, to create self-awareness, to improve ourselves. But if we're doing it on autopilot, then you're really not doing the work. And so in order to stay awake, in order to stay engaged, we need to change things up a bit. We need to do the unexpected. We need to come back to our childlike selves. Because when we are children, if you look at children, just they're the best teachers. And when I'm talking children, I'm not talking like my teenage kids, <laughs> although they are they are still teaching me, of course. Um, I'm talking about like little, little kids, like three and four year olds who are basically walking subconsciouses, you know, like they have no filter. They say what they want. They ask for what they want. They do what they want. They don't care about other people's feelings. You know, they don't care about pleasing somebody else. They don't care about shaping themselves to fit a certain mold, a certain expectation. No, they just do their thing, right? If they want to roll around on the grass, they get down, roll around the grass. If they want to pet the dog that they don't know, um, they don't get to know the dog. They just reach out their hand and be like, hey, let me just pet the dog, you know, and the dog might not necessarily be friendly. So, um, you know, they're learning as they go, but they're also doing it with, without filters, with a certain level of freedom because they don't ask for permission. They just go and explore. And that's what I want to bring back with this class. That's what I want to bring back in this, in this world. You know, I mean, part of the reason I do this podcast is because I want to create awareness for listeners, but also to create an invitation to examine what are we doing in this life, this now moment? And is it lighting me up? Is it my most authentic self acting and creating the human experiences that my soul chose to to have. Um, you know, I believe that our spirit selves, you know, started, were up in, up hanging out with source, be like, all right, you know what? I want to go back down and incarnate on earth because I'm feeling frisky. There are some lessons I got to learn. So let's go. I'm going to choose that particular time and place to be born. And I'm going to incarnate in a human body and we're going to have some fun. Life on this planet is fun and the planet is the playground. That's what we have to keep in mind. I don't always remember that. I admit being human is part of that. Being human, we forget that we are part of source, that we are more than our physical bodies, that we are more than our five senses. Our five senses allow us to access this planet, to access the experiences, but that's not all that we are. That is not our only experience. You know, we are, we are spirit souls. We are energy. We with, through our experiences can expand our energy. And so, you know, I think about this class that I'm going to be leading later on, which I'm very excited about. And I'm like, I have no idea what is going to (laughs) happen. We'll see. We'll see. I just, you know, I'm waiting for students who are open to play, 
to whatever play looks like to let go of self-consciousness, to invite abandonment of filters, of expectations, of shoulds. Just leave that at the door, you know? Come in. I'm almost tempted to be like, hey, y'all, why don't you adapt or adopt a name for your child self? But then I was thinking, no, you're, that would probably just be your own name. <laughs> so never mind. Um, but I, I am thinking about names and how to incorporate names into this class because names matter. When, whatever we name informs how we perceive things, informs how we are in relationship with things. You know, so for example, my spiritual name is Surya Gyan. And that means one whose wisdom shines as brilliant as the sun. And, and I think I've told this story before, but I was at uh, Satnam Fest some, some summers ago. It was probably either summer of 2018 or 2019. Um, and Satnam Fest is a Kundalini yoga festival, outdoor festival. So it's so fun because there's, there's Kundalini practices, there's teachings about um, spirituality and, and tapping into your true self. There are concerts by some amazing uh, kundalini yoga chanters, chant artists, musicians, just all around amazing. And there's just a like a general feel good vibe. It's so freaking fun. Um, so I was in line at for the for the lunch. It was lunchtime, and I was in line for lunch and. I was talking to a woman. I, I don't even know how it came up. We were talking about our spiritual names. And, you know, I think on our name tags, we put we can choose to put our spiritual name or our given name or both. And I was talking to this woman who was in line in front of me about her name. And I don't remember what her name was. I think Priya was in there somewhere. Um, but she was like, oh, that's a, you know, it's a big name. It's a heavy name. And I don't even know. If I can live up to that, it's like a lot of pressure. And I said to her, um, well, let me let you in on a little secret. Your spiritual name is not given to you. You are already it. It's not given to you as a thing to which you become. It's not an occasion for you to rise. It is naming the thing you already are and she was like what I was like yeah you're already that thing it's just that you forgot and now this name is a reminder of who you already are and so you just need to figure out how to peel away all the false selves to get to the true self which is your spiritual name and she was like oh like her you could just see mind blown like she was like what and I was like yes isn't that amazing she's like oh my god she's like thank you for telling me that because I was feeling all this pressure and suddenly now now I feel like you're right like it resonates it feels true I feel like that name in my core and I was like yes sister yes so names are everything and um you know, sometimes I go by Surya, Surya Gyan, Surya G, different versions in yoga communities, and it just tickles my fancy. <laughs> um, it really, it really does. And 
and it's funny because I've I've considered from time to time, not not really seriously, but considered like maybe changing my name legally to that name. Um, but it 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 doesn't feel. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it because I'm like, you know, I'm going through these questions of like, well, who am I to take on a name from a tradition that is based in Indian culture and I'm not Indian, you know? I mean, that's one thing that I'm thinking about. But then I think about people who, for example, you know, convert to certain religions, you know, so my teacher, Mahan Rishi, he's a white guy from Livingston, New Jersey, right? I don't know what his given name is, but his name is Mahan Rishi Singh Khalsa, right? And he converted to Sikhism. So for me, that feels aligned. You know, he is a practicing Sikh. Yeah, he's a white guy, but he's, he's part of that tradition. For me, I'm not a Sikh. I'm a Catholic you know, and as complicated as that is, and as much as I um, resist some of the more traditional practices and teachings of Catholicism, I do still consider myself Catholic, just my version of Catholicism. I love Jesus, that's all I gotta say. Um, So to change my name to um, a name that's based in Sanskrit feels confusing, (laughs) confusing to, to, some people maybe confusing to me I don't know I I think about it a lot Um, but I will say that when people address me by my spiritual name I feel lighter I feel like I tap immediately tap into my higher self into my high vibration it's really cool how that happens so so the the name activates something it's the vibration of those sounds that activate something within me like good activation, you know? So I just think about names mattering, you know? We think about our given name and sometimes I'm I'm like, what were you thinking, mom and dad? Like, really? <laughs> Not that I dislike my name, but the story of my name is pretty funny. Um, at least, you know, how it's been told to me. I actually might ask my parents again, how they came up with my name now that some time has passed since I last asked to see if their story still holds up (laughs) because you know with memory things change details change stories sometimes change who knows but the story goes that uh, when my mom was at the hospital to deliver for me to be born um, they didn't have a name ready they were just like we're gonna go to the hospital and yeah so I was nameless and there, I th- they, they told me that I was named after Leslie Ann Warren, who's an actress from the seventies who was on the show Mission Impossible, like the original Mission Impossible, where you've got the lighting of the wick, for lack of a better way of saying it, I don't know what it's called, for the the bomb that goes off at the end of the, the opening credits. Um, yeah, the original Mission Impossible, not the Tom Cruise one, the original one. And so Leslie Ann Warren was an actress on that show and they liked the show. They loved that show. So they named me after her, which I think is so funny. I spell it differently than she does, but um, but yeah. And when I tell people that I was named after Leslie Ann Warren, 
the people in the generation older than me are like, oh, you mean the one who played Cinderella in the Rodgers and Hammerstein version of, of Cinderella? And I'm like, yeah, although that wasn't the intent of my parents. They just like Mission Impossible. At least my dad did. <laughs> so yeah, so it's funny. But I have my students, um, my writing students, tell the story of their name. And I ask them, and I'm asking you, my dear listeners, what is the story of your name? And how, what is your relationship with your name? Do you feel that your name is shaping who you are? Or do you feel that you are shaping the name and imbuing it with who you are so that when people hear your name, they're like, oh, okay, we know it's this person, this specific personality, you know? So for example, um, when I think of the name Ashley, for example, I think of, uh, a brunette with long wavy hair. I have no idea why, but that's, you know, that's what I think of. But then I've met so many different Ashleys that I'm like, oh, okay. That's, yeah, I don't know. So think about that, you know, and see how that may or may not inform who you're being and who you are. Um, and how does that feel in the body? Let's come back to the body, right? And so this class that I'm teaching, we're going to move our bodies to feel in our bodies. You know, there are times when I, when I talk in this episode that I talk about the breath and how important it is to take a deep breath, like right now, ready? Take a deep breath. Feel that breath, feel the travel of the air into the body and then exhale it all out. Just empty it all out. So where does that breath travel? It immediately brings you into the body, right? Because you feel that cool air coming right in and you're like, oh, I feel my body. I feel my lungs expand. That's what I want to come back to. I want to come back to being present in the body. We spend too much time in our heads trying to figure things out in our minds when really we need to add embodiment. We need to add expression of what's in our heads inside of our bodies so that we can then make sense of the thing that we're trying to puzzle out. Um, you know, I, I had a phone call, um, with a friend of mine, Jess, if you're listening, Hey, um, and she and I were talking and what, what I, what I observed, what I said to her during our call was, what, what's great about our conversations is that, yeah, it's, it's catching up, you know, like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while, let's catch up, blah, blah, blah. But as we're catching up, we're actually posing questions to each other that um, help us see our situations, whatever we're wrestling with, to see them more clearly. And it's so interesting because I have been processing my, my Utah trip my Utah experience on the river. And really it's been four weeks and I'm still like, mm, hmm, not, I don't have a lot of clarity yet. Um, still trying to navigate through, through the unknown, through this newborn baby feel of like, everything is possible. Which thing do I want to try first? You know, um, still figuring that out. And I was talking to her and in my sharing of my experiences with her and sharing my integration process in trying to understand or just make sense or listen for things. As I was talking to her, I was getting clarity. It was so interesting because as I am talking now, I'm like, what was it that we said? 
I'm sure if I think of it, I will remember. But what I do remember is that I got more clarity around what I was feeling. I was able to name the things that I was feeling. I was able to name the thoughts that I was having. Because in your head, sometimes the thoughts are are just like vague notions that don't, that haven't come into focus yet. Right. And so for me, that really bugs me because I'm like, there's something fuzzy in my head. I can't quite see it. And I want to articulate it. I want to shape it. I want to see it out on the page. So often I will just journal. Um, and sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't. And journaling is definitely, um, an interesting practice where, you know, the ego, at least for me, the ego will be like, all right, we need to write about X. But meanwhile, it really just needs to be, well, we're just going to put pen to paper and see what happens. We're just going to write and let it flow. That's the ideal scenario. So in my talking to Jess, I was able to get a little bit more clarity on what is happening with me. Um, But then also for her, she was able to see things more clearly with what she's going through. She was able to realize, for example, in this one situation that she was talking about, that her nervous system was adjusting because there are things moving at a pace that felt too slow for her. But now she sees, oh, no, the universe is taking care of me by moving this slow, even though I'm frustrated by it. But I see that we're, it's moving this slow because it's being gentle on my nervous system because all of these changes too, too suddenly would overwhelm me and shut me down and I would not be receptive to, um, to growing and evolving in this way. And I was like, oh, and she's like, you know, I just realized that by talking to you. And I was like, yes. So I think it's so important for us to, two things, embody ourselves which means to move our bodies, to feel into it, to shake our bodies, to put our bare feet on the earth, to ground, to sing, to raise our arms up to the sky, to shake our arms, to shake our bodies, you know, do cartwheels. Maybe we'll do cartwheels in class today. I don't know. Um, But then also to verbalize, to express what's within, to get the things in our head outside of our bodies, Get it outside of the body in any way that feels good. It could be body movement. It could just be like shaking it. But if there's something that you're going through that you're like trying to figure out and you're like, I don't know, I don't see any way out. I don't see any answers. I don't feel any guidance. You know, I'm here in my mind meditating and nothing is coming through. Write it. Create art with it. Paint. If you don't paint, doesn't matter. Buy a bunch of paints, get some paintbrushes, and you can do a canvas. You could just do paper, right? And just start painting colors, you know, shapes, waves, whatever. You can put paint, finger paint. Oh my God, finger paint's the best because it's tactile. You don't have a brush to put the paint, like getting your hands dirty. Oh, that feels so good. I might have to go buy finger paints now. Um, you know, music. You don't, you don't play an instrument, sing whatever sound comes out. You do play an instrument, don't know how to do songwriting. I don't know how to do songwriting, but apparently I'm supposed to be writing some songs because I feel this call in my body to create music in some way or another. 
I don't know if that's a, in the form of a song, but something's going to happen. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> but, um, but find ways to express yourself. You know, even if, even like, so for example, I feel like I need to learn how to play guitar. I don't know. I, I tried playing guitar, learning how to play guitar when I was in high school. And then a few years ago, I took um, some classes over the summer with my, uh, with the owner of the music school where my kids go for piano lessons. And, you know, we just did some basic, like, you know, chord strumming or whatever. But I was like, ah, you know, I just, I kind of fell away from it. But now I feel like, all right, I really want to learn guitar. So I'm going to go find this. There was this online class I came across where this guy's like, I can teach you how to create muscle memory in your fingers so that you can switch chords very easily. And I was like, ooh, maybe I'll do that. I don't know. But I'm going to go learn because I feel called to express myself musically somehow. And in order to do that, I need to get the tools so that I can express it. All this to say, there are so many options for you to get what's inside your head, inside your heart, inside your body, outside of that. You want to create those things. You want to get it outside of your body because why are we here? We are here to express our magic. We are here to express who we are, who we're being in any way possible. It could take any form. You know, you could be a mom and you make freaking awesome chocolate cupcakes. Mmm, so good. Baking is creating, I'm telling you. And baking is not like, you know, when people are like, oh, I don't cook. I don't bake. It's not about like, that's you choosing not to cook or bake. It's not you saying you're not able to, because if you can read a recipe, you can freaking cook and bake. It is the intention and it is the energy in which you do these things. Anything, you know, we're all creators. You know, I, I, um, way, 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 way back the early stages of my spiritual journey, I was reading a lot of Louise Hay and she, <laughs> she talked about, how everyone is a creator. She's like, you can make an awesome bed and that is your thing and that is beautiful. And I was like, what? I could just be known for making great beds? Like just make my bed and it's fantastic. Yes, you are a creator. We create all the time. The trouble is sometimes we create unconsciously. Sometimes we create unconsciously and then we're like, oh, we're having a bad day. Oh, this is going wrong for me. Oh, oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Guess the whole day is going to be crappy or whatever. You are creating that. So be more intentional with what you are creating. Be intentional with your thoughts. Be intentional with how you express yourself, how you interact with people. Intention, awareness. That's what awareness is. It's to help create intentions. Back to baking though. If you can find a recipe and you're like, oh, you know, I, I can't bake. And I give you a recipe and you're like, I can't bake. You already set yourself up for a crappy result. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, because you're like, oh, I don't, I can't bake. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, just follow the instructions. All you got to do is follow the instructions. And if you're not sure, ask somebody. We live in the age of YouTube University. You can find anything on there as far as how to figure out what to do. You know, you want to know how to measure flour properly? YouTube University's got it. But I'll give you a little tip. You, you, you stir up the flour a little bit with a fork or a whisk just to fluff it up because you want the flour to be fluffy. 
And I know in instructions, especially in U.S. recipes, um, they go by cup sizes. So, you, you know, in anywhere else outside the U.S., we go, they go by weight. They weigh their flour. We don't do that. I have no idea why. We're just backwards, I guess. I don't know. But here's your tip. When you measure your flour, after you've fluffed it up with a fork or a whisk just to get some air, you don't want it, you don't want it packed down. No, you want it fluffy. Take a spoon and gently lift out the flour and just lay it into the measuring cup. You just want a nice, fluffy, loose kind of measure. And then take this the straight edge of a knife, so not the cutting part, but the opposite end, and just glide that over the top of the measuring cup. And there's your measure, and you're good. Often with baking, the reason things go wrong is because people don't know how to measure flour properly. Or they overmix. So if you're like, uh, how do I, how do I know if I'm overmixing or not? A lot of, well, depending on what it is, but a lot of, in a lot of baking, it's okay to have lumps. People have this preconceived idea to like have to stir it until it's smooth. Don't do that unless the recipe says that. Okay. So those are my two baking tips for you on a spiritual podcast. <laughs> but the point is, my friends, express yourself in it whatever is calling to you seriously like if it's just like hand clapping like whatever do it your body wants to express you know i had a student yesterday we were talking about stories uh, we were telling stories about different things and one student was telling me like she didn't like this person she was in high school she didn't like this person so much it was a mutual and she used the word hate it was a mutual hate and they would all just be like, yeah, yeah. So all this tension was building up between them. She's like, I don't even know why we hated each other. We just did. And and then one day he put his hand on her and shoved her, right? Shoved her shoulder. And so there's physical contact. Up until that point, there's this buildup of energy, right? And then he pushed her and she got set off. She shoved him down and he tumbled down some some steps you know I mean it was only a few he didn't get hurt um but it was it was a a really great illustration of what happens when we live too much in our heads and we don't allow our bodies to release the energy that our heads have created right so release the energy in ways that feel good You don't want to be that person who ends up shoving somebody down the stairs or punching somebody in the face because you were building up all that stress and all that tension and had no outlet for it, you know? And I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be that. It could just be shouting, like shouting at your kids. Sometimes I do that. And then I realize that it's not, it's not me being angry with them. It's me not expelling the energy that I have built in me in a healthy way. So unfortunately, they were, you know, they're the brunt of receiving that. But I tell them after I apologize, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry. You know, I know better than to do that. And I will do better by going for a run or doing more yoga or doing breath of fire or something or journaling, whatever it is. We are energy. And so energy moves all the time. And if we don't get that energy out, it builds like a pot with a sealed on lid that is got boiling water in it. You ever can do that? You put a pot on the stove, pot of water on the stove, you put the cover on 
and you turn it on, you, you're like boiling pasta or whatever. And it's like, the steam starts to build up that the lid starts to go, right? Well, imagine that lid is locked shut on top of that. And then you try to open it and then it just busts open, right? And so you don't want that. Energy is always moving. So see if you can continue to move that energy. And for our work that we do on this spiritual path is that in our healing, we then are allowed to, we can release the old selves, right? Make space for the new, not the new, but the most authentic version of you. And then our energy expands and keeps expanding, 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 like the universe expands. And as we expand and radiate our light, our magic out into the world, people see that, people feel that, they're inspired to then expand because when we expand, we're getting, we're encroaching on other people's energy, not in a bad way. I mean, there are some people who encroach in, in bad ways, but, but if you're, if you're doing the work and you're radiating your light, people will be touched by your light and they'll feel so good. They're like, Oh, I love being in your presence. I love being around you. You're always so great. I always feel good around you. Why? Because you're doing the work to heal yourself and to shine your light, to share the magic of who you are, who you are being with everybody. And it's so amazing, so freaking amazing. And then it inspires them to do the work. They're like, I feel so good around you and I wanna do what you're doing because it's so good. It feels so good. So yeah, go bake a cake. (laughs) Woo, my friends, yes, yes, yes. That is totally what I wanted to share with you today. Um, Embodiment embodiment, embodiment, and, you know, taking care of your body so that you can really express your divine light. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to randomly, it's not randomly, we're going to Oracle the poems here. Um, and I have The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Faith and Spirit, this anthology that I love so much. I read from it all the time. And I just flipped the pages. And today I've got a poem by Joseph O. Legaspi, who is so wonderful. He's an amazing person, amazing poet. And um, I've known him for a long time. I haven't talked to him in a while, though. So I'm, maybe this is a sign for me to reach out and say hello. So this, po- this poem is called Easter, Bonifacio High Street. And there is a little epigraph here. It's called a, quote, mixed use development, end quote. Huge shopping mall in Bonifacio, Global City, Metro Manila. There's your setting. Between the coffee bean and tea leaf and the body shop, a station of the cross. On a trodden lawn browning into desert, Two lines are formed for shoppers to be Christ-like. Christ-light, puns the Pinoy. (laughs) The devout come forward to suffer, put their suffering on display. They'd strap a stretch of varnished four-by-four across their shoulders, ropes tied around their wingspan arms, the weight of sins redeemed by Jesus on his march to Calvary. Assisted by the vi- the fine volunteers of the Church of Christ wearing designer t-shirts, the aspiring saviors lumber towards salvation. As with a slender petite woman handing over her coach purse to her surly boyfriend while she is yoked like a catabau, 
the Philippine national animal of heroic industrious tolerance. The carriers circle each other around the astroturf like sushi on a conveyor belt, and nearby down the square a full cross is offered. Ideal for groups, its holy length delivers camaraderie. Friends, family, frenemies, lift in harmony, wholesale redemption. They pause, pose for pictures, their selfie sticks a mirroring sky. To reenact is to worship in the highest form. Jesus stumbled. His sinners lifted him up. Witness an elder harness the giant cross at its crossing while a child carries the tail end. At the crown, a tall youth can't part with his shopping bag, so on both shoulders he slings the Abercrombie and Fitch models brandishing their pectorals. Godly. <laughs> I love this. I love this poem because what Joseph does is he he's, well, you can hear, but I just want to make a comment about it because it cracks me up. He's, he's juxtaposing the very commercial capitalist energy of this place in Metro Manila against the the sacred of Good Friday. It's Easter season. And so in the Philippines, they um, reenact the Stations of the Cross. And we've got some people who are doing it, but they're also shopping. <laughs> so it's so wild. Um, I could say more about it, but I will not. I will leave the rest open to interpretation for you, my listeners. All right. And so on that note, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, Grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.